In the chaos, you are the peace. In my suffering, you are here with me. In the darkness, you never leave. God of mercy, you're walking with me. I surrender anxiety. The striving has to cease. In this moment, you are still the king. Friends, it's Morgan, and welcome back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. As you know, this is a podcast that goes deep into the heart of masculine initiation. We had the privilege of lingering with Jonathan and Melissa Helser over time, savoring uh, big ideas, diving deep into sonship, identity, yielding to God, consecrating our entire beings, and in all of it, practicing the partnership of the slow and steady process of apprenticeship. And in this lingering, my sense was to expand it as wide as we could so we could immerse ourselves in this four-part series with Jonathan and Melissa. Ultimately, Jonathan and Melissa have helped us and are helping us in this series and in their work in the world of how to steward our kingdom, beginning with our own hearts and extending to those in our closest proximity. And so today we're turning into our fourth and final episode in this series featuring their work specifically in their newest album release, The Land I'm Living In. So Jesus, as we turn to this fourth and final episode, I pause. I invite all of these listeners in this global tribe of like-hearted allies to catch our breath, to pause, to breathe in your strength and breathe out everything we're carrying, to breathe in your confidence and breathe out our concern to breathe in your rest and breathe out our hustle. Friends, I'm drawn to Psalm 121 in my heart in this moment of prayer where God says confidently, he neither slumbers nor sleeps. Just think of that for a moment, that God has made us where we need food, where we need air, we need water, we need breath, we need sleep. And yet God never slumbers or sleeps. God is food. God is living water. God is the breath of heaven. And God is the rest that we seek for our souls. He never slumbers or sleeps. At every moment, Father, you are actively working to facilitate our initiation as a man or as a woman. You are working and collecting fresh opportunities for us to open the ever-present door to recover the ancient path that leads to life as it was meant to be. So with that spirit, we come to you as your apprentices. We come to you as those who want more and those who want to want more. And so in the place of unrest, uncertainty, places of fear or doubt, we say, come Jesus with your power, come Father, with your generous provision and come spirit with your caring, particular, joyful guidance. Anoint this conversation with Jonathan and Melissa. Open up our imagination. Expand what we believe is possible. Expose the places in us that have yet to ruthlessly be made open to you. We give you our hearts to shepherd this episode. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Let's dive in. Melissa, I've got one for you. You said, we choose trust over talent. What do you mean by that? And what is its effect? Or what is its genesis might be a better way of asking. There's one part of my heart when I hear trust over talent that I think about pastoring actually in our community and how more than one in, wanting just gifted, talented people running with us, I actually want people that are committed to the way of Jesus that over time we build trust with. So that's where, like, even when I'm thinking about a lot of the different workshops we've done, when we talk about community, my my pastoral heart goes there first when I hear that, because that's so much of, like, what our value system has been. Like, because you really can teach people anything. I believe that. Um, but willing, humble hearts— um, they're hard actually to come by in 20 somethings, you know? And so that would be one side of the coin where I'm like, oh, when I think about that, I think about the trust we have with people and how valuable that is to us as leaders. And then the other side, of course, with just in the space of leadership, worship leading, you know, leading a meeting, teaching, all of it, I think. The older we get, we do continue to offer our gifting to the Lord in a place of like, I don't actually want to impress you, Lord. I want to be with you. And I think in my youth, I definitely wanted to impress the Lord a little bit more than just actually be in His presence. Mm -hmm. And so I think the mark of friendship and the mark of maturity, right? Like we don't want to just grow. We want to mature. And the mark of maturity is that when we come into His presence, it's less about impressing Him, right? Because we know that we already have His affection. But you don't really know that until you've lived and you've walked through seasons. I think— um, seasons of sorrow, joy, delight, tragedy, all of it, if you can stay with Christ, it does form a, a tremendous dependency like we talked about yesterday. So I think being able to shed some of that, I want to make the Lord happy, <laughs> you know, and actually being like, actually, I'm coming into this moment with the pleasure of God mm. because this moment is a very— it's like a 1% moment of the 99% of our life. Um, and that 99% is where trust is formed, right? And the 1% is the gifting. But the 99% is the life lived with in friendship with the Lord. And so I think in those, in those moments of even leading worship, even when we did the land I'm living in, I— I think sometimes—sorry, I'm kind of thinking. I think sometimes people get a little put off by, by especially my intensity and confidence. But I think that I've just suffered so much. like, And I, I feel like the greatest gift I can give to God is to be confident that I am a daughter that He really loves. And that the longer I walk with Him, we trust each other. Like, the Lord trusts me. I trust Him. You know, I don't—it's okay that I don't have the best vocals in the world, and, like, I'm not—I don't have a propensity to sing har harmony great. I mean, I have to work so hard at it all. But it doesn't really matter because the Lord trusts me. And and when we get into these moments, I'm like, oh, we're friends. Like, and I, I think there's a really beautiful part. Like, it would be so offensive, right? I mean, you can understand this with children. If they were, like, not confident that they were our kids— like if they just walked around in this false humility weirdness, like it wouldn't actually demonstrate mm. healthy wow. parenting. So good. I even this past weekend at the women's retreat, the first night I said, you know, guys, I'm 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 a really I'm a powerful woman and I'm unapologetic in that place. Like I love the Lord, we're friends. And a lot of the women said it really, really bothered them. And I'm like, 
good. Like, that's good. Like, let it bother you. Like, I, I've, given, I've given my whole life, the last 20 years, to becoming confident yes. in a God that is present. Like, I've be, to become confident in Christ, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, mm. in the mothering, fathering heart of God. Like, I, I'm confident in parent God, you know? And so I think even that, like, is an example of— you grow trust in the 99% and then the 1% of your life, you do your gifting. And if you can actually steward the trust, the moments where you're in your gift, your talent, um, become very a lot less high stake. And so you get to just be free in that place, knowing that in an hour it's going to end and you're going to come back to trust and you're going to grow. And the next time you come into your talent, it's going to get more and more beautiful because the substance of your life is not on a stage or not in front of people. The substance is actually spent with the Lord and the people that you're actually in relationship with. One more for each of you. Jonathan, in a teaching on sonship, you distilled it as simply this. His affection has become one of your greatest weapons. In my spirit, I went, that is true. And then in my mind, I'm trying to wrap my head around, what does that even mean or look like? His affection has become one of my greatest weapons. What do you mean by that? Well, at first, I think we, we need weapons when we're in a battle. Uh, when, we're, when we're under attack, that's when weapons become uh, very important and they mean a lot to you. Um, a shield me a shield means a lot to you when you have arrows being shot at you. Um, <laughs> well a, a, a sword means a lot when all your enemies have one and you don't. Remember that moment in in Israel's history when it was just the blacksmiths were gone. There was only a few swords left. And it was Saul and Jonathan were the only ones with them. So a weapon means a lot when you're under attack. And it's so interesting that in Jesus's story, his first attack and his last attack were over his sonship. If you really are the son of God, turn the stones in the bread. If you really are the son of God, throw yourself down from here and the angels will catch you. The wilderness moment, you know, is his first attack that we see. And then this morning I was reading in Matthew, uh, it was actually on the Electio 365 app. And it's the moment in Matthew where he's hanging on the cross and he hears the same lie being accused at him. If you really are the son of God, you could get yourself down from the cross. Mm. And so if the son of God, one of the greatest attacks against him was to, to question his belovedness, to question that he really was the son. Um, and for me, it is our, one of my greatest attacks is the, you know, the enemy coming to question my belovedness, to question that the father yes. loves me. So when I and believing and I'm receiving his affection and not for what I do, but for who I am, that before I had my first breath, he had set his gaze upon me and his mind was full of me and he was delighted in me. That becomes a shield that blocks those fiery accusations that the enemy has constantly been shooting at me. Um, I, Graham, my friend Graham Cook says that our intimacy with God intimidates all of hell. You know, when mm. we have our intimacy with God, it intimidates the enemy. Um, and it's that place I, I believe that David was living in that moment. He was looking at Goliath and he was holding his stones like he knew this. I am God's beloved. You know, it, it's not just my name, David, which means beloved, but he knew he was the beloved. He had a prophecy and this giant wasn't going to get in his way. Like he knew who God was for him when no one was watching. He had had those mm. moments in the secret place. Um so yeah, that's that's what it that's what it means for me. I mean, even this morning when I woke up, Melissa talked about those mornings when you wake up and you just feel the tangible heaviness. I don't know what side of the bed I woke up on this morning, but it was like sometimes it goes away after that first cup of coffee, but it was still there and it was just like, okay, am I gonna believe this morning that I'm the beloved, even though everything in my body does not feel like I am? Mm. Um, it's just one of those mornings of like failing silence. You ever have those mornings you're like, I'm gonna practice mm. silence this morning, and you're just tripping all over yourself, like yes. trying to be still and know that he's God. Just so many thoughts are racing through my head. 
And as I ended my few minutes of trying to be quiet before the Lord, just am I going to believe that I'm the beloved in the middle of this pressure and this heaviness and this all this stuff coming at my heart? Am I going to believe that I'm the beloved? And in in believing that it is it is I think my greatest weapon. Yeah. Does does that make sense? Oh, and yeah, that heartbeat is echoed in so much of the music that we're about to dive into. So it just feels like the introduction and the main course is coming. That's beautiful. I'd like to transition into the intimate backstory of a song that I'd like to now feature with you, Melissa, and Jonathan. What's the story behind Sound Mind? Yeah, this one is really, really sacred. Um, I think. When I think about the next three to five years leading worship, um, I think this is one of this is probably the strongest, most clear arrow that I feel um, in my bow, um, in our bow. Uh, and I, at the beginning of COVID, we were actually in Hawaii um, at the YWAM base there and doing some some worship and. Uh, everything started, you know, kind of ramping up. And we went there with kind of whispers of COVID and we didn't really mm-hmm. know like what was totally going on. No one did. And we were like, I think it's going to be fine. And so we got we got to the base, which is in, in um, on the big island. So it's a lot of people. Like we were leading worship for over a thousand every, every day. And at, as we're there throughout the week, um, things just start ramping up, stuff shutting down. And and I actually won't forget the night we came back from worship, our whole band, we were sitting together in the living room of our Airbnb. And you had you said to us, the NBA just shut down. Like sports, entertainment, like every single God we have just came crashing to its knees, right? And I'm like, this is serious. And I think as someone who has a chronic illness, at the time we were like, we had no idea what that was going to mean, you know. And we woke up the next morning. We were in the last couple of days of our trip. And I went out to the water to just spend some time with the Lord. And I'm like, Lord, I'm feeling crazy anxiety. Like I am, I'm feeling intense fear. Um, we have to get back to North Carolina. We are in Hawaii. <laughs> like our flights were going through Seattle, which was a huge hotspot at the at the time. And, you know, there were so many unknowns. And anytime there's unknowns, there's tremendous irrational fear because you're you're filling in all the blanks. And and I just was sitting there, I'm like, Lord, will you will you just help help me with my anxi- this anxiety I'm feeling starting to rise? I'm not really an anxious person by nature. Um, I don't wrestle with anxiety, but it was starting to rise up like pretty, mm. pretty intensely. And the Lord just immediately took me to Second Timothy, you know, and He just said, Melissa, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I'm asking you to focus on me right now. Like, look me in the eyes, focus on me. I have given you a sound mind. And it was amazing because I I felt the Lord parenting me. He was addressing um, where my mind was wanting to go and just assume and fill in blanks and like, you know, get really, really riled up. And He was speaking peace. Like, I've given you a sound mind and I'm asking you to focus. I'm asking you to take hold of this promise. Mm. and, And I'm asking you to like, stay with me. Do not spin out by yourself. Stay with me. And so we we came back, and man, that whole couple months, we were just, I mean, I was, you know, when you when the Lord gives you the word of God to anchor, you quote it as much as you can, not in not in an anxious praying, but in a like, Lord, would you anchor me? Anchor me in yes. your word. And then we went into like, I I told the guys, I'm like, I really want to do just a spontaneous night of worship. Can we just set up in our living room? And I just want i just want to see where God wants to take us as a gift to people that can't be in church right now. And, and everyone's like, well, like, what's the plan? I'm like, no plan. Let's just set it up. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> do you remember this oh, day yeah. that like, Johnny's like, what do you, what's the plan? I'm like, no plan. <laughs> I told Cadence and, and the video guys and like, just let's film it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Like, 
we just have to get the heart of God right now. Like, what is the Father saying? Mm. And so one of the main things that I that I sang out in that, that we call it the COVID worship night, um, was like about having a sound mind. And the Lord was just like, there was a deep churning that was happening in my spirit for me personally. But then that that personal meditation turned into a prayer over people's minds in this moment of of this like you know global chaos that we would be able to sing over people's minds and and so it was beautiful and we we put it up on YouTube and that was the end of it really and then about 3 months later we were at a songwriting retreat and we are with we had a bunch of different writing uh sessions with people and we were with Brian and Katie Torwalt and we had never written with them before. And we were sitting there and we were just talking, catching up. And they were like, man, the, 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 the song that you sang on the COVID worship night, like it's just gotten us through so much anxiety. Like I just, man, it was so powerful. Like I wonder if, like, should we just write a song about that? And I was like, sure. Like, yeah, let's just see. Where what happens? And in the next probably 30, 45 minutes, we were about maybe a quarter of the way into the song. And we were like, okay, this is like really special. Like their journey with pushing back against fear and peace in the mind. Like it was really, really incredible. And as we, you know, kept writing it, again, we don't write a ton with a lot of people. On this album, we did more because we co-write so much together. Mm-hmm. But this this album was special. Like we got to write songs with our friends, our comrades, like our allies that are like leading worship all over the world. And this one was so special. And even the sessions we had to finish it, we all knew like this is really special. Like this is a really, really special song. And I I when we went into doing the demo, so I'm we're in Franklin, Tennessee, and I hadn't yet sang the song all the way through. Because we have, we're still writing it, and we just finished. We're like, let's just get a demo down so we can hear it. And our producer's playing the piano. It's just just me and him. And it was like, again, the first time I actually digested the whole yes. song in mm. like in song form. And we got. I was just so grateful for the sacred space that they created for us because we got into the. You saved, healed, delivered me. Jesus' blood wash over me. Command my soul awake, arise, use each breath to prophesy. And I and I was like, whoa, like this is so powerful. And I mm. felt like something standing up in me, like declaring the word of the Lord. But for the first time in the song form, I don't know if that makes sense. And and I sang it again. And then when I got to the third time, I started crying so hard. We had to just stop. Like all of like my whole 20 years of walking with Jesus. And every moment that I've, because it's one thing to like pray for healing in your body. And I've contended for that for a very long time. But what I've contended for way more is peace in my mind. Like that I would be able to trust the Lord with my thoughts, that I would do every day renewing my mind and not letting my my mind get taken over by bitterness. Because I think sometimes we're like, oh, it's like my heart. And I'm like, but it's so much of our mind, our thoughts. And and where we live in balance and wholeness is when our right, our mind, our heart, our body come into unity together. And, and then that's where we start getting real traction. And in that moment of singing the demo, I was just like, every moment for like the last 20 years where the Lord just showed up in um, just so much trauma and so much like middle of the nights where I'm awake and my body's just raging in pain and what I'm, but the torment is in my mind, right? Like God doesn't care about you. You're going to die. You're never going to see your grandkids. I mean, this is just the like the thought, the intrusive thoughts that are just swirling and and just like all these memories of of moments where the Lord just met me over and over again and just breathed peace into my mind. Like, 
it, and it, it, it just, it was the, the most fragile, tender, powerful moment I've ever had in a studio to date because it was like my whole life in the Lord just started flashing through my eyes. And the faithfulness of the Lord just hit me like a tidal wave. And I just sat there like everyone just, we all just sat there and I just wept at the faithfulness of God. It hit me in such a, a new and powerful way. And, and I'm like, man, Lord, this is really important. Like we write, we write so many songs. You don't always know if they're important, but like, this one feels so important because people are in really fragile places and the torment in our minds, like the enemy assaults our minds. And to gain victory in the secret place of our mind is so hard. And I, I'm i just like, this song, and, and the Torwaltz felt it as well, like this song is, is, is a weapon in the hand. Um, fighting against depression and anxiety and panic and irrational fear and mental illness and and all of that. Like it's going to be a, an arrow in the hand of people that really long for relief, I think, is what I felt in my spirit more than anything. Like um, when I prayed into it, I just like, oh, there's this longing for relief. And it's it's very, very deep. And it's a it is a desperation to feel peace in, in the mind and to feel the silencing of the accuser. And it just feels so important. It feels so important coming out of two years of so much irrational fear and panic and real fear and people passing and just um, what it's done globally to our our state of mind. I just I'm so grateful the Lord just put a an arrow in our in our bow and it it feels like one of the most important things we've ever recorded. Um, and when we tracked it, it felt like that. We only did one take because it was so sacred. And we just, gave, like, I just gave it all in that moment. And the, even at the end, we went to a spontaneous uh, part where it's just, I just started singing, you're turning on the lights. And I, I just am like, oh, man, my prayer is just that the Lord would deliver that this song would be like that that healing cloth, like the healing melody, that it would bring deliverance to people's minds, that it would set people free, and that it would turn on the lights. Like, and and, and it's it's the only song really that we recorded during the day, which felt really important to us. Like, I'm like I. I don't want to do this moody, dark, you know, like expression. I actually, let's, I want, let's do it during the day when it's brightest, when the light is on, like the sun is out, like he is turning on the lights, like in the giving people the declaration, like a sound mind for the spirit of fear. Like it's just such a powerful declaration and. The Torahs actually just recorded a version too. So I just, I feel like it's that like two marriages that are fighting really hard for peace and that it's just like a, it's like a right left punch to, to the enemy and the accusing voices. Yeah, it's, it feels really important, really, really important. What I know to be true is that the Lord comes and he comes and he comes and he comes and my prayer for you friends is that as we listen to this song that you would feel the the god that is near the god that comes close the god that is not afraid of our mess 
and that you would encounter the nearness of God in your mind, in your heart, in your body, that the nearness of God would come very, very close. And God, we just say we're here to receive the peace that passes human understanding. And we, we say yes. Yes, yes, yes to the inheritance of a sound, healthy, clear mind. Clearly, a sound mind 
bring light to the shadows you bring a brightness to all the shadowy places you're the one that turns on the lights it's your loving kindness your loving kindness turning on the lights turning on the lights turning on the lights it's your loving kindness turning on the lights 
turning on the light. It's your beauty and your mercy. It's the blood of Jesus. Healing our minds. Turning on the lights. You're turning on the lights. You're turning on the lights. Turning on the lights, turning on the lights, turning on the lights, to mercy and your grace, turning on the lights, turning on the lights, turning on the lights.
turning on the lights. Turning on the lights. Over a generation.
God as we linger in this space together with Jonathan and Melissa, I want to declare that you are our home and we are your home. You choose to abide in us. It's what Dallas Willard names as mutual indwelling. And it was the secret to understanding the life of Paul and the life of Jesus himself. Father, you make your home in us through the life of Jesus Christ. Christ dwells in us as we make our home in you. And so it's from that place, that positional reality that's ours as your sons and daughters, that we renounce fear, that we say no to panic and overwhelm, and we give you our minds. We consecrate afresh our minds to you. And we ask that the breath of heaven would saturate us with peace, peace in every place of fear, that you would breathe peace in every place of unrest. You would bring peace in every place that is unfinished, peace in every place that lacks stillness, well-being, peace in every place that feels overwhelmed and undernourished, and peace in every place of panic. I feel compelled to just turn back to some of these beautiful lyrics. In the chaos, you are peace. And in our suffering, God, you are here with us. In the darkness, you never leave. You are the God of mercy, and you choose to walk with me. And so I surrender anxiety, and I say to striving, you must cease. In this moment, God, you are the king. And this is the gift that you are giving to me, a sound mind for the spirit of fear, a sound mind so that I can see clearly, a sound mind. Your spirit, God, is here. A sound mind is what we seek, and a sound mind is our inheritance as we receive the kingdom here and now on earth as it is in heaven. Saturate our minds with your mind. Saturate our minds with your peace. Saturate our minds with your provision, your intimate care, your affection, and your love. We align our minds with the mind of Christ. Settle us. Allow our minds to be portioned according to your pace, your rhythm, your purposes. We give you our minds and we breathe in your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Jonathan, Melissa, you have become a father and a mother of a generation. And God has entrusted beautiful portions of his kingdom to your care. And he's glad to do that. And this land I'm living in, this album, uh, it's just so much more than an album. It's a weapon. It's a tool. It's a lifeline. It's a guide. It's a feast. And it's been such a honor to have this sort of holy, unedited access behind the curtain in sort of the genesis of it all. So as mom and dad of this great gift, I'm curious what your counsel would be to us because the temptation is to just blow through it, right? The temptation is just binge. Um, I, I just even love and respect the way you introduce this album to the world piece by piece in sections to just say, slow down, saturate your soul in it. So we're sitting here now with access to the entire album, you know, everywhere music can be found. What would be your counsel 
to hearts of men and women and how to engage in a way that brings the fruit that you intended from this work? I think I like to, when I'm receiving a body of work, I I like to listen through till I get to a moment where I want to hear it again. When I get to that song that I'm like, wait, I have to hear that again, then it says to me that something's resonating very deep within me that, that I actually want to stop, take off my shoes and receive. Mm-hmm. And then I'll return to the body of work. And sometimes this kind of drives Jonathan a little crazy. But but once I'm resonating, I'll listen to the song for a week, just the same one on repeat, because something is happening. Like I'm I'm allowing myself to be fully immersed in the message of it, in the melody of it, um, in the places it challenges me, but it also ministers to me. Um and then when I feel like that's lifted, then I'll re- I'll go back and I'll start listening again. And then I'll wait for that, the other, like the second one, that, oh, I need to sit here with this. So that's kind of practical, but it's a lot of music. And so it's good right now, like even for us to, now that it's all out, for us to just step back and let people get, take their own journey with it. Like, we intentionally released it in three sections because we didn't we we didn't want to put out every course at the same time, right? Like when you go to an amazing restaurant, it's such a bummer if the main course comes out when the appetizer is still on the table, right? Like because every single like you don't want the dessert appetizer main course all at one time, and because part of it is learning how to just slow down and take it in. And so that is part of why we did it. One section is not better than the other or more important to us. It's they're all so significant. And our prayer is that people would not feel rushed. We don't need you to digest it all at one time. Um, Again, like after months, like it's so beautiful. Friends just being like, oh, I'm finally in. I'm clearing out the clutter. And I'm like, I knew it would take a little while to get there because there's a lot of amazing music. So just, just it's so important that we practice slowing down. Yeah. I think one of my dreams for when we create albums and um, from the very first album we did, I had this picture of us building an altar, um, yeah. thinking about Jacob when he has mm-hmm. the encounter at Bethel and he sees the father at the top of this ladder and angels going up and down and a father speaking his inheritance over him and who he is and who God is for him. And uh, he gets up the next day and he he takes the rock that he was sleeping on the night before and he he piles up these rocks to remember this encounter. Um, But also, I think, to create a space for generations to come back and encounter that God in that place. You know, I just imagine him walking his grandkids back. This is where granddad met God and his life was changed forever. But I think when they stepped on that ground, they're like, oh, this is a this is a thin place. If if God can meet granddad like that, he can meet me. And, you know, I just wonder how many other ones snuck back to that altar and said, Hey, I want to see the stairs. I want to see, I, I want to hear the voice. I want to, I want to experience. And yeah. my dream in an album is that, you know, that me and Melissa would uh, disappear uh, and that you would be at the altar with just you and God, yeah, um, you sure. know, and that you, you would find yourself not just singing our lyrics and singing our song, yeah. but the 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 track would come to an end and you would begin to sing your song. You would begin to have your own encounter that our encounter would lead you to have yours. And I'm so grateful for one of our worship uh, mentors and fathers was a guy named Don Potter. And uh, Don, uh, they had a, a, a set of albums. They were cassette tapes that I got called The Heart of David. And there was a song called Take the Land that was on the Vision album. And it was literally the entire side B was one song. Uh, it was like a 26-minute long experience. This was in 1996. And I, I'll never forget, I used to get 
that song just as Melissa was saying out of all the songs that song resonated with me and I would take side B of uh the vision album and I had my Walkman and I used to go on these long walks and I would I would uh just sing my guts out to this song uh and um and then the the tape would come to an end and then I would just begin to sing it led me to find my own song like yeah. Don's song pioneered a way for me to find my song and that would be my dream is that when our songs end your song would begin um and that you would you know even the young maybe there's a 19-year-old worship. I was 19 years old when I first heard that song. Maybe it's a 19-year-old kid listening to this podcast right yeah. now, that when you come to the end of our song, that you would be inspired to sing your song and, and say something to God that no one's ever said before, to begin to sing to Him who He is to you. Melissa, Jonathan, Helser, it is my joy to champion your work in the world. You, friends, are becoming the kind of men and women whom God gladly delights in entrusting the care of his kingdom. It is my joy to champion what's been entrusted to your care. So thank you for revealing the heart of God through this work. I'd I'd love to make sure our tribe knows how to feast at the table that you've set beyond land I'm living in. So just give us a snapshot again, Cageless Birds, 18-inch Journey, your music. Where do people feast on what you've set on the table? Yeah, so to find out more about me and Melissa, you can go to jonathanhelser.com. And um, then our school, the 18-inch Journey, which is a... Um, it is the distance from your head to your heart. It's this heart journey. And that involves retreats, schools, and summer camps. Um, you can go to 18inchjourney.com. And then our creative collective that's uh, musicians, artists, poets, dancers, leather makers, potters, photographers, that is called the Cageless Birds. And you can go to cagelessbirds.com. And once you get in those sites, they all kind of cross link into one another. But that would be the best way to connect with us. Melissa, Jonathan, it's been such a joy bomb to sit with you, to linger with you and our King for hours in the studio to capture this four-part Become Good Soil podcast series. And friends in the Become Good Soil tribe all around the globe, as we close this episode, I want to leave you with a final reflection and invite you into a 90-second pause and transition from this space to whatever life holds for you next. As I reflect on the impact of the worship created by Jonathan and Melissa, I notice that it has deeply nourished and validated the call of God on my life as a man over time. And Oswald Chambers has these beautiful words that he offers on the call of God where he says, however quickly, or slowly awareness of the call of God comes. It is always accompanied with an undercurrent of the supernatural. If a man or woman is called of God, it doesn't matter how difficult the circumstances may be. God orchestrates every force at work for his purpose in the end. If you will agree with God's purpose, he will bring not only your conscious level, but also all the deeper levels of your life, which you yourself cannot reach into perfect harmony. Friends, let's linger on that idea and we'll be back together soon.